Biblically Informed Trauma Care on this edition of Truth and Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I am joined with Dr. John Babler. He's taught biblical counseling for about 30 years and other related classes at the seminary level. He's a longtime faculty member at Southwestern Seminary. Now he has helped to grow the program at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. I'm so excited about his work there. He's been an ACBC member for many, many years. He serves actually on our board of trustees and one of our fellows, and uh, he served in a lot of different capacities. One of the things I love about John Babbler is he's demonstrated that biblical counseling works in places of, of missional extent, and he's he's been a fire chaplain, and he's witnessed biblical counseling work. He's been a police chaplain. He's witnessed biblical counseling work in those capacities in a, in a missional evangelistic way, and it's a wonderful thing. Dr. Babbler, I'm grateful that you're here with us to talk about this really important topic of, of trauma. Thank you, Dr. Johnson. It's my privilege to continue to address issues that uh, will take biblical counseling out of the counseling room and into the community. Amen. First thing I want to talk about is is crisis counseling. You've you've written a book on this, not if, but when. And crisis counseling is something that you've been involved in for, for a lot of years. Certainly in the church, you have lots of experiences. You tell some stories in that book, actually. And then, as I mentioned, outside in in your chaplaincy roles in both fire and and police as well, or law enforcement. And I, I want to talk about the issue of, of crisis counseling, how we think about it, and, and why is this important for biblical counselors, you know, who don't specialize in crisis situations, but how do they prepare to counsel those who are in crisis? Because those things happen on a regular basis all around us. Yeah, they do happen on a regular basis. And one of the reasons I believe it's so important for us as biblical counselors to be prepared and uh, and able to minister to people in crisis is that people in crisis are open to spiritual things. Mm. That crisis frequently revolves around a life and death type issue, and they're very open to dealing with those type of situations. I remember 30 over 30 years ago when I was involved in hospice, and when I left hospice to teach at the seminary, I, I realized something was missing. And what I realized was missing was relationships that developed very quickly. Because in the midst of hospice, when you're dealing with life and death, I believe that the question people had in regards to a relationship with me is, could they trust me? Mm -hmm. And if they concluded they could, then, well, we're dealing with life and death. And so I'd be in deeper relationships with people I'd known for a few months Mm -hmm. than people I'd known for years. And so one of the great opportunities is that people in crisis are open to spiritual things, and we can often much more quickly move into a, a significant relationship. And another thing that I think is important is that crises often come to us while I have had opportunity to, to go to crisis situations. Crises often come to us, and, and we know that from experience, but there was a, a church in the Fort Worth area where uh, a youth pastor went out because he heard an accident that had occurred in front of his house. And as he was trying to, to tend uh, to, to the injured there, a pickup truck full of drunk teenagers came over the hill and, and struck him and, 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 and killed him. That was a crisis that was brought to that church. Another Sunday evening, a mother and her young child were 
making the left turn into a church and were rear-ended and both of them were killed uh, literally in the driveway entrance to the to the church so so crisis often comes to us and if we just look around us right now in the midst of covid we recognize what a, a great i would argue opportunity we have that we need to be good stewards of the ongoing crisis that is occurring around us through COVID-19. That's exactly right. I, and as we think about crisis care, I mean, we're mentioning, you know, opportunities to do this care. We'd say like, you know, in the field, outside of the local church, that, that doesn't negate what we describe in biblical counseling as biblical counseling operating under the authority of the local church. I mean, Jesus tells us to go. And as we're going, that we make disciples. And this is a part of what we encounter when we're out in the world, we encounter these types of, of crisis situations. But I want you to talk a little bit about crisis care, because th- that's been something that ha- has evolved to, to some degree over time, certainly in the secular world, as we deal with it as biblical counselors. I want you to talk about how you've seen some of those concepts around crisis counseling and care change in some of the more recent years. I think one of the most prominent changes I've seen is that there's just a lot more recognition in the, in the broader culture as well as in the helping professions of the significance and importance of crisis. In the midst of that as well is that recognition has grown and there are a number of contextual factors as to why it has grown. But in the midst of that, there's kind of been a shift in the, in the field from focusing on crisis to focusing more on trauma. And so while crisis intervention and crisis counseling 20 years ago would have been the the terms uh, of the day in the helping professions now, the, the terms are trauma care or trauma-informed care and trauma-informed counseling. And, and so there's been a, a, a shift in regards to language and focus. And part of that just becomes comes from the recognition of the significance of how traumatic events not only have a significant initial impact, but often have an ongoing impact on, on the person suffering from the situation as well. Now that's significant. And I want to make sure that we come back to that. To, to You mentioned this, this idea of trauma-informed counseling, and that's certainly been a buzzword in recent years. And e- even some of the effects that you just described, I think are, are critical and important as we do think about long-term care, that, that when we are impacted by some sort of form of crisis or trauma, we do deal with those things in more of a long-term basis. So I want to get back to that. But first I want to just ask a, a personal question about some of your first exposures. You know, you don't you don't often just sign up to be a crisis counselor and think, man, I really love being in these scenarios, and I think I want to go pursue a degree or a profession in in crisis counseling. Talk about some of your first exposure and what brought you into that world and your experiences early on in crisis care. I think, like a lot of people, God develops our our call around things that happen to us, or at least we may be able to see that a little more clearly. And uh, so for me, the, the personal experience began with death within my family. My oldest brother was killed in a motorcycle wreck when I was 17 and was buried on his 25th birthday. And then 10 years after that, my other brother died of an accidental poisoning. And two years after that, my mom died after having fought cancer for a number of years. And so, so death within my family of origin, well, pretty much wiped it out early in my life. But uh, it was in the midst of teaching at seminary when I realized that I didn't know a whole lot of lost people. And uh, that's what God used to to draw me into becoming a fire chaplain, working as a volunteer firefighter and chaplain 
for the department in the community in which I lived. There was an incident where three firefighters were killed in a church fire in Fort Worth. And one of them was the, the son, adult son of one of the ministers I was on staff with at a church in Fort Worth. He was also one of my daughter's Sunday school teacher. And I've helped be the liaison. Our church hosted those funerals and I helped be a liaison in that context and made contacts, got to know the Fort Worth fire chaplain and talked to our chief. And, and so ended up becoming a chaplain as well. And it wasn't too many months after that when on a Wednesday night that uh, I had actually cleared my schedule for the next week, I thought, because John MacArthur was doing a pastor's shepherds conference in the area. But it was on uh, Wednesday night in 1999, September 15th, that the Wedgwood Baptist Church shooting occurred. That was literally five minutes from the seminary campus. It was 10 minutes from where I was that night. And I was able to respond as a, as a fire chaplain. And in the midst of that shooting, seven were killed, seven were wounded. In the midst of a see you at the pole rally there at Wedgwood Baptist Church, the gunman also took his own life that evening as well. And the first people I talked to when I arrived, and because I was a fire chaplain, I was able to actually get into the situation. A lot of pastors were standing outside saying, if there's anything we can do, we want to help. But I had a, I had a credential and a badge that allowed me access. And first person I talked to was a Fort Worth firefighter. He and his family were members at Wedgwood, and he and his engine crew were the second on engine to the situation. And he, and he, he shared with me, his daughter was sitting next to him, and as he shared with me, he said, uh, he said, I'm, I'm coming to this, and it's the only time in my, ever, in my life I've ever prayed, God, I hope my daughter didn't go to church tonight. Uh-huh. And he said, and when I got there, I couldn't find her. And he said, so I went around and looked at all the bodies to see if one of them was hers. It wasn't. But as I just sat there listening to him, praying with him and his daughter and making sure that he had communicated effectively with his wife, the, the, the significance of, of that type of trauma and impact was just huge. I'd been on fire calls before, but I'd never been on a call where I would have reflected on the way to, to the call. I, I really hope somebody's not here. I hope my daughter's not at church tonight. And so that was the beginning of my introduction to you know, the more dramatic trauma situations. In addition to Wedgwood, I've had opportunity to respond to Virginia Tech shooting and then the Santa Fe High School shooting. So I've had opportunities to do that as well as a number of not active crime situations, but weather events, Hurricane Katrina, those types of things. So, uh, but that began the Wedgwood Baptist Church shooting was my introduction to significant trauma response. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely taught you a lot. I've, I've you and I used to be colleagues at, at Southwestern Baptist Seminary, and and learning so much from you about crisis care and and crisis intervention and how to deal with those situations and and really make the most impact when people are asking those types of spiritual questions. Now, I wanna I wanna return back to something that you mentioned earlier about crisis intervention, crisis care, and now how the terminology is sort of shifted into what's called trauma-informed counseling. So I, I first, just let's define that. Let's, let's talk about what that is. What exactly is trauma-informed care? Well, trauma-informed care is, is, I was rooted in the context of the greater recognition that I mentioned earlier of the existence and the significance of trauma. And, and I believe most of that has come on the heels of 9-11 and the repeated searing images and videos hour after hour, day after day for such a, such a time. And then our involvement in war that went on for so long. And, 
the stories that were told and and just the, the significant impact, the, the number of people that came back from the wars that uh, had been impacted by that was very significant. And so uh, a growing number of people in the caring, helping professions, specifically in chaplaincy and, and mental health care in the military, and then, of course, the emergency services with first responders as well, those emphases began to grow. And so trauma, first of all, can be defined. There's a resource I use quite a bit from the Crisis Prevention Institute, Trauma-Informed Care Resources Guide. And just briefly, they define trauma as an event or a series of events, uh, an experienced or prolonged experiences, and or a threat or perceived threats to a person's well-being. The individual's daily coping mechanisms can be negatively impacted by trauma. Subsequent behavioral responses to daily life may be filtered through this perspective. And I think that's key. It's, it's, it's like the, the, the trauma becomes a pair of glasses that, that people put on after the trauma. And they look at so many things through that filter. filter excuse me. And then coming out of that trauma-informed care is a framework of thinking and interventions that are directed by a thorough understanding of the profound neurological, biological, psychological, and social effects trauma has on an individual, recognizing that person's constant interdependent needs for safety connections and ways to manage emotions and impulses. And then, and then finally kind of wrapped up in that would be the, the idea of triggers, signals that uh, act as signs of possible danger based on historical traumatic experiences and which lead to a set of emotional, physiological, and behavioral responses that arise in the service of survival and safety, sights, sounds, smells, and touches. For example, triggers are all about one's perceptions experienced as reality. The mind-body connection sets in motion a fight, flight, or freeze response. A triggered individual experiences fear, panic, upset, agitation in contexts and situations where that would not be considered normal. And, and, and so that's just uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very brief overview of uh, a focus. The idea of trauma-informed care ultimately desires to put a context or situation together where the person who has been traumatized is not re-traumatized through the counseling or the, the, the provision of care. And so that would be the, the emphasis of that, that secular concept of trauma-informed care. Well, I think that's important. One of, one of the things that I would be concerned about with some of that language would would not a denial of a person's experiences, but sometimes the way that their identity becomes rooted in that trauma. Right. And, and so the issue of suffering is, is a reality in the cursed world that we live in, and we all despise it. We hate it. I think we should learn to hate those things which are ultimately caused and impact us by sin. But but the reality is that suffering does impact us. Trauma does impact us. And we as biblical counselors need to respond appropriately without building some victim mentality or identity that's associated with, with this trauma and without minimizing its impact on our lives. So how do biblical counselors help those who are struggling with, with significant trauma, the, the issues that they've dealt with or experiences that, that, that they've had that have ongoing and lingering effects? How do biblical counselors address that? When you look at and begin to study in this arena, you see that a lot of people have put a lot of focus and energy and time and money into understanding trauma and how to address and deal with it. There are many, many ways that the world says that uh, it's important or vital to respond. Many 
again, chaplains, military folks, and others would say that you, you have to have trauma-informed care, or they wouldn't refer someone to anyone else unless they were trauma-informed. And so one of the first things I think it's important for us as biblical counselors to realize is that we don't need to be intimidated by the, the world's wisdom. We don't need to be intimidated by that emphasis in that material, that the, the, the concept of trauma is not foreign to the pages of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Trauma does not find its way just into modern culture. But we recognize that trauma is in scripture as well. So one of the things I would argue we need to do is go back to basics and recognize that the Bible is sufficient mm. for, for, for counseling and ministering to people, even who have experienced trauma that we can't even begin to comprehend or imagine. That God is the one that provides healing. He provides hope and comfort. And, and we are frequently given the opportunity to be a part of his providing of that, that healing and hope and comfort. We, we need to recognize that we indeed are competent, not because of our knowledge of trauma or because of our experience in trauma or because of a certain technique, but because of God within us, because of the, the word that he has given us, because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. So we shouldn't be intimidated. And, and ultimately, as we think about ministering to people in trauma, I would say it should foundationally start with relationship. God first. Jesus, the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Others second. And so as we deal with people who are in trauma, who, again, like you said, often are encouraged by the world to find their identity in that, often in the midst of finding their identity in that, they are isolated from relationships. They're isolated from God. They're isolated from from people who care and are concerned. And so we have the opportunity to, to, to help them address and deal with those issues with Scripture, with God's help. In the midst of commitment, one of the challenges about ministering to people in trauma who are dealing with traumatic issues, traumatic life issues, is that it, it's, it's hard work. It's, it's not convenient. Challenges can happen at the most inconvenient times for us as counselors. And so I think one of the things that we need to do, too, is make a commitment to be wise in the use of our time, but to recognize that people dealing with trauma are frequently going to require more than just a one hour a, a week counseling time and that we might need to focus on having the opportunity to to involve others in ministering to them as well. well I love this. I think it's it's so helpful for us to you know continue thinking in this direction and for us especially those who serve in ministry full time I mean you you're going to be exposed consistently to this type of crisis situations and just to be, you know, to, just to understand what our role and responsibility is and, and what opportunity we have to have these types of spiritual discussions, to not be intimidated because of the sufficient word that we have to, to minister to the to the deep hurts and problems that, that people face. Dr. Babler, thanks for sharing some of your expertise, and you'll be able to find a recommendation to his book, Not If, But When. It talks about crisis counseling and, and trauma as well, and so make sure to, to uh, go check that out as well. Dr. Babler, thank you. listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Now, I really appreciate the discussion today on trauma-informed counseling. This is becoming really a a buzzword. Uh, What I want you to do, if you can, is review or rate our podcast. We'd love for you to share it. This is one of the most exciting resources that we have at ACBC, one of the most listened to resources that we have at ACBC. There are thousands of you who weekly participate 
by listening. And we're so grateful for that. I want to encourage you to share this resource with other people. Go back to your platform and give a review, if you will. It's really helpful to us in getting the word out about this resource, the Truth and Love podcast. Now, I also want to mention to you other resources that we offer on our website, not just a backlog of all kinds of podcasts, but, but many, many, many other resources that you can find on the various topics that you have interest in related to biblical counseling and issues that we all struggle with in life and finding biblical solutions to those things. So go visit our resources page at biblicalcounseling.com. Mm-hmm.